0: Hello everyone, this is an ESVS podcast. My name is Vaiva Bravoskaite, and today we are going to talk about the European Union of Medical Specialists, UAMS, specifically about the section of vascular surgery and fellow of the European Board of Vascular Surgery examination. This is the first of the four podcast series on the subject. And there is no better person to help me unwrap the FIA BVS exam than the Secretary General of the Board of Vascular Surgery of UMS, Professor Armando Manchilla. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Hi, how are you? Live. Hello, everyone.
0: Uh, with Professor Manchilla, we will cover the FIA BVS exam structure, criteria of application, benefits of the exam, and possible misconceptions. Overall, we will try to clarify then clear. So without further delay, let's start. As our listeners are from all over the world, I would like to start with the introduction to the exam. There are two countries in Europe, the Netherlands and Switzerland. In those countries, exam is obligatory for any vascular trainee to receive the uh, title of vascular surgeon. Some other countries, such as Belgium, recommend the exam, but it's not required. In some other countries, the exam is not frequently taken at all, mainly because very little is known about it. If I would need to define the benefit of the FABVS exam myself, I would just say that it is a driver's license for a vascular surgeon once applying for a working position anywhere in Europe. Could you explain in more detail what this exam adds to a vascular surgeon and why would you think it is essential to be a FABVS alumni?
1: You are completely right um, for now, and currently we have only two countries in Europe where this is the exit exam, or that means that it is an obligatory exam. Having this title, we can establish a standard, an European standard of uh, uh, quality, even to promote exchange uh, between countries for all these um, vast sessions that uh, want uh, work in another country for example
0: exactly so once we establish the benefit you already touched up on that the obligation to make the exam unanimous in europe would probably diminish differences in expertise and would just help us all to move around without doubting each other's skills and uh, ensuring the safety of the patients right and now let's move on to the application criteria. Uh, by the way, I would like to stress out that I will add the link to the official UMS page in my show notes, where you can find much information on what we are covering in this podcast and contact details of the office too. Anyhow, once a vascular trainee or nationally recognized vascular surgeon decides to apply for the exam, what criteria must one fulfill? Uh,
1: certificate. Certificate. Uh, mm. um... Birds, CCST, logbook, letter from the National Society, logbook signed by supervisors and from non UEMS countries, the training program.
0: Yes. And now let's just uncover where does exam occur usually and how many times per
1: year? Currently, we are organizing the exams three times per year. Mm-hmm. in March in connection with the European Vascular course in Maastricht. Mm-hmm. In June, May June in Porto, in connection with Port Vascular Conference. And in September in connection with the annual meeting of the European Society for Vascular session.
0: So three dates to remember not only for the examination, but actually those are three places where you could also practice your skills for the exam to come as well. I would like to move to another point. Nowadays, a significant amount of literature is available, which may be a bit confusing. How do examiners expect us to base our answers? Is it correct to say that the applicant is expected to know ESVS guidelines, maybe SVS guidelines, landmark papers by heart, in order to provide a solid arguments for their answers during the exam? Of course,
1: uh, concerning the theoretical competencies, The candidates should be able to mention the recent and updated uh, European Society for Vascular Surgery guidelines, most important papers, of course, related with guidelines, in order to be safe enough and competent enough. Uh,
0: One of the issues that many institutions and actually exam boards face is potential bias in the application or evaluation process. How does the vascular board of this exam solve those issues? Can you elaborate on how are the examiners selected? And then what is the board's function, for example? How are the cases made for the exam? And when are the questions released for the examiners as well?
1: To apply for being an examiner, you can go through our website and as you can read here, The new examiners should be European citizens having the FABVS title and at least five years' experience as consultant. This is one way. Another way, for all those that had not the opportunity in the past to sit the exam, and we still have, because it was not so popular at that time, another way is having... 15 years experience as consultant. They have to add the CV to the application in order to the examination committee to recognize that this candidate that had not opportunity the opportunity at that time because the exam was not popular to see the exam, it is well-recognized by all of us with a well-recognized CV in order to join the group. Joining the group, they have to be observers for two times before being approved uh, to start their role as examiners. I always ask different national counselors, please uh, send us suggestions of new good examiners. Please try to find in your own countries people that can join the group to refresh young blood People that want to join us, active, in order to improve the quality of the group. And in particular, I would like to have this opportunity to ask all the potential female examiners, please join us. Um, All these examiners during the exam must have a good behavior. And we are also assessing the the examiners with roving assessors in order to be sure that we don't have any kind of complaints from the candidates about bullying or something like that. The behavior of the, examin- the, the examiners should be perfect. And that's why we have roving assessors only for this. One final point. No one can say that failed the exam because of this examiner. This is not true. Because all the candidates during this day will be assessed by at least eighteen different examiners.
0: I would actually just even point out that uh, examiner's job is actually not paid, and it is an honorary position uh, where the examiners do all of those things voluntarily. And the only
1: payment that is not a payment payment it is that usually we try to have a nice dinner with the examiner. The only mm-hmm. point
0: is that. Exactly, so that's one, also at least one of the small reasons to join the team for the nice dinner and get getting to know your colleagues. Yes. And regarding the exam, I would also add from my own experience for clarification, all theoretical cases Absolutely all of them are evaluated by two examiners. So there's never potential bias because there's always two people evaluating you and you are always rotating. That's why you end up to have at least 18 examiners, which gives a a lot of transparency to the exam and clarification in general.
1: And another point, the examiners have the meeting in the morning uh, about the exam and and the clinical cases. Only in that date, in order to avoid potential leaks. So we mm-hmm. don't have leaks.
0: Yes. And, and actually, even during the exam, examiners and examinees are having their breaks in a separate areas to separate avoid...
1: areas, we don't have coffee or tea break yeah. or the lamp yeah. in the same area. So we have separate areas in order in this day to avoid any kind of conversations about the exam that could be unfair. And one more point is that if for any reason the candidates in this rotation have in their own table an examiner that know the candidates or from their own country, we immediately ask to change this examiner. And so at the end of the day, we don't have examiners assessing candidates that they know or assessing candidates from their own country.
0: (laughs) And now that we gave uh, quite a thorough intro to the process and the structure, I would like to introduce the sections of the exam. So we have five of them, academic, clinical cases, overall viva, open, technical, and endovascular. In other words, we have three theoretical sections and two practical sections. Do all parts have equal weight to the exam?
1: Well, we have uh, more or less equal weight in but different from if we are assessing theoretical or practical competence. What I I want to mean is for the open technical and for the endotechnical, it is the same, 48 points. For the academic and for the overall, it is the same, 32. And for the clinical cases, this is 64 because we have four clinical cases instead of two, so it it is one hour instead of 30 minutes. So at the end, the weight is the same, even having this difference because these are different uh, tables with different duration, but the weight, it is the same at the end.
0: So the practical part seems to be the clearest of them all. But to be sure, can you tell us about the open technical cases and what skills does it test?
1: Well, we, we ask the candidates to perform three exercises. One is to perform a carotid me? another is perform end-to-end aortic uh, anastomosis in AAA model and finally in the leg model we ask the candidates to perform a distal uh, anastomosis and uh, what we are assessing have several different marking descriptors we are using for all these open Technical skills assessment, OSATS and uh, ICEPs evaluations. Those ads, as you know, is uh, more generic with eight components with a five point scale from four to eight. That means four a bad failure, eight an excellent uh, case. And we are assessing. Not only, only because sometimes people think that we are assessing the end product. No, we are not assessing uh, only the end, the end product or, or the final product. And if the candidate do not finalize the exercise, this is not completely crucial. This is not a failure. The end product is just one of the points. We are assessing the respect for tissue, the time and motion, The instrument handling, the suture handling, the flow of operation, the knowledge of the procedure, and also the quality of the final product. When we go through the ICEPs, that it it is much more a procedure specific skill evaluation uh, with the same five point scale from four to eight. In this, we are assessing more specific points, for example, the distal anastomosis. We are assessing the vessel control, the arteriotomy, the graft opening on a native vessel, the graft shaping, the anastomosis, the vessel handling, the waller position, and of course, the overall technical quality. So we are assessing different points, all of them from fourth to eight, and the end product, the final product, is this only one of these marking scriptors.
0: And uh, what about endovascular?
1: Yeah, the endo, it is the same three exercises, how to cross a difficult stenosis, how to perform a crossover, how to catheterize renal artery. So we have these three exercises. We also have these marking scriptors from four to eight, and the parameters are choice of guide wire and catheter, the guide wire handling, uh, the movement, the reaction to obstruction, the catheter handling, the access to the target artery, time and motion. So again, we have several parameters, several several marking scriptures for each individual exercise and all of them from four to eight. No one fails for one single parameter.
0: Uh, From my experience, those parts were well organized and crystal clear. However, we both agree that the test models do not feel the same way as the natural tissues of the vessel. Professor, could you share any possible ways applicants could feel more comfortable and improve their skills? So we already mentioned that the exam takes place usually before the ESVS exam and before the Maastricht vascular course. So those are already two great opportunities for people who are planning the exam to actually dedicate a few days and practice those skills on the models, which are at least similar to the ones during the exam.
1: Thank you, Viva. The candidates can bring and use their own loops. And you also have this information at our website. The candidates can, and in my opinion, should sit different training courses across EU printing, different models, in particular related with the ESVS Academy, but also during the EVC and Master's in order to be more familiar with these simulators
0: Practice always makes it better. And then the other thing, just try to do it the same way you always do it in your clinical practice. Don't try to, I don't know, perform something the new way or or have different conditions. Anyways, it's an exam, it's a bit stressful. So just create the same surrounding as you do in your daily practice. And of course, try to practice as much as you can beforehand. And now let's move on to a mysterious part of the exam, clinical cases and overall uh, viva. Those two sections usually are a bit confusing or are confused between each other. Can you explain how they differ and what is expected in each of them?
1: The clinical cases are four. We are always assessing when endo case, when aortic case, when lower limb case, and when Michelin is. And for each of these clinical cases that are long clinical cases, in order to assess all the details since the beginning till the end concerning diagnosis, medical treatment, surgical treatment, follow-up, and so on, and so on, uh, uh, the duration is 15 minutes. For the overall, we have short clinical situations. Different from this, some of them potentially more unusual, and uh, for each of of them, candidates can have six minutes and can be much more late with trauma, pediatrics, uh, uh, radiation protection, thoracic aorta uh, it doesn't matter. So it can uh, a little bit more unusual, but are short clinical situations instead of long clinical cases. That's why we have 30 minutes to discuss five overall clinical situations.
0: Just to break it in two parts, so clinical cases we have four, each case is 15 minutes, and it is in-depth evaluation. So basically from the moment patient would come to polyclinics to the moment you discharge him after the treatment. And Overall, Viva would be basically short cases where where you will not need to go in so much depth, but something a bit more unusual. And you would hit those all cases with the same team of examiners evaluating you in 30 minutes. And they will take care of the timing. And also another thing, everybody just have to remember, you will not need to reinvent or think of the possible questions. They will be in the monitor. The scan will be in the monitor. So you just follow it up. And sometimes examiners might ask something extra, but you have the direction of where you have to go, basically, and they will take care of the timing as well. And finally, we have reached the scariest part of the exam, is academic papers. Many applicants fear it due to their lack of expertise in academical work. I have to admit, I feared it myself, but really there was nothing to be scared of. Um, nevertheless, Professor, could you explain what it is expected from the applicant during the section? To which depth the appraisal must be done and how much time applicants have for this case?
1: We need to be aware of the guidelines and the different important landmark papers. All PASCO sessions should be always updated and to be updated they have to read. And the academic paper is the, it's just that, how to read the paper. That is the point. That's why candidates have the paper in the morning, 25 minutes to read, and then the examiners will ask them, what do you think about uh, the methodology? What do you think about basic statistics? What do you think about uh, the results? Your conclusion is the same conclusion. What do you think about potential bias of this uh, paper? So um, you don't have to fear this part
0: Uh, So that was an excellent wrap up of the structure. I believe future applicants will significantly avoid some minor mistakes and improve their performance. So Professor Mancilla, when I took uh, the exam myself and I was really nervous in the morning during the exam briefing, so before the exam started, examination director, Dr. David McLean said something very reassuring, which calmed many of us down. May you share that pearl of wisdom with the future applicants?
1: I would summarize saying that after discussing all these five parts or five sections of the exam, all the different uh, theoretical and practical components that we are assessing, summarizing all of this information, I would say that if you are safe enough in your first day as consultant, you will pass the exam. This is the problem. This is my final and take-home message. You must be safe enough in your first day as
0: consultant. great that was a perfect way to finalize today's talk thank you professor manchila for making time today and sharing all that information in detail
1: thank you so much it was a great conversation thank you for your invitation
0: and to our listeners, I would like to remind you that we are going to have part two of the FIBVS exam prep podcast, where we will discuss the theoretical cases, so clinical cases, overall VIVA, and academical paper appraisal in detail with real examples from the previous FIBVS exam. So stay tuned and bye for now.